Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, everyone. It's Margaret. You know, I am true crime obsessed, and I'm so excited because we are doing Mortal Minority March here at The Margaret Show. For all of March, I'll be sitting down with a comedian guest like Robin Tran, Alec Mappa, or Brent Weinbach to talk about one of my favorite subjects, minorities who kill. You think you have the potential to be a serial killer? No, no, but I think I could get killed. If you're Asian American yeah, and you, and you want to blend crime, in and disappear, just go to Hawaii. You've got to go to Hawaii. Just go to Hawaii. They'll never find you. The electric chair would just be the worst. I also wonder what it looks like with your hair. Like, does it like poof up? I feel like there's a preventative measure to this podcast as well. If mm-hmm. you're an Asian and has a younger sibling and you right. want them to kill your boyfriend, don't do don't it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't miss Mortal Minority March. Subscribe to The Margaret Cho on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. An Erio's original. Um, thank you very much. Thank you. Hi. Thank you. Uh, welcome. Now, so this is um, this is not what well, what's happening today. Is I'm doing a live uh, episode of my podcast. This is the very first time we've done this. So you guys are the first time. We're the we're doing this the first time. Isn't it exciting? It's the first time, it's the new year, it's 2020. Um, <laughs> I, this is my, no, this is my new year's resolution. All anal orgasm. <laughs> Listen, it's fucking time. I'm serious. They, I know it's gonna happen for me. I fuck, if you make it a resolution, it's gonna happen, right? It's supposed to happen. I mean, it's, it seems impossible, but I think I can do it. I'm pretty sure. And um, you gotta put, you know, when you're over 50, you gotta put something in your ass. Come on, you know that's right. I'm serious because it makes your pussy seem tighter. It blocks that, you know, because it's like, or else whatever you put in your pussy is just gonna go all the way down in the pussy. So you gotta put like a, a you know, something in your ass, like a, a bookend, you know, just to keep that whatever's gonna fall down through. So I'm definitely doing that. Um, Got to put something in your asshole. It's just time. It's 2020. Just do it. Just put it. Everybody wants something in their asshole. 
Uh, even straight guys, more than anything, straight guys want something in their asshole. Like, so much. Like, I, I can't believe it. Like, I was, um, I, I, I'm single, by the way. And I've never been, thank you, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. No, I've never been single in the age of apps. And I didn't know what was happening out there. People have been going crazy. It was like fucking grinder all of a sudden on the, on the phone. Like I thought it was just like gay guys getting it on on grinder, but no, there's a lot of just locations based fuck apps that you can get on. So I have I I'm only on the most sleaziest apps because I'm trying not to have a relationship. So I only go I, Android only sleazy fucking apps that are locations based. So. If it's a free app that seems like it might give you a virus, I'm on it. So definitely download that. Um, but uh, yeah, I'll go on there and it's like all the guys are like pegging. I want pegging. I want something in my asshole. Pegging, 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 pegging. So it's, I, I mean, it's just, I've never felt such a need to be out there with all my fingers out and like my nails short. Like these like lesbian hands are doing some good work out there in the straight world. Right, it's going good. Um, but yeah, they all want something in their ass. And then I, you like, they don't, they, I don't know, it's like I send, I send pictures of myself. Of course, I will send, post pictures of myself, send pictures of myself. And they're like, well, why are you sending me pictures of Margaret Cho? Uh. I don't know. I don't know. My pictures of Kathy Griffin, I got those, I got them. But then it, it's like, there's like a, the, the pictures thing is weird because then they send a dick pic and I'm like, well, why, I don't, and then they'll send it to me like, is there something wrong with my dick? Like, I don't know, I don't know. Like, it's a weird, like, and then they want a pussy pic. I think dick pics are um, easier to take than a pussy pic. A pussy pic, because a dick is a thing, a pussy is a place. So it's... <laughs> little harder to photograph, you know? You need to use landscape mode, not portrait mode. It's a lot of stuff. Like, and how do I get like my, because uh, I, you know, I don't want to be catfishing, so I try to get my pussy and my face in the same picture, <laughs> which is nigh impossible. I mean, it, like if I put it on the floor and then maybe, you know, I don't have a selfie stick, so I'm trying to like hit it with my foot. And then, but my pussy's like in the way. So it's like, am I looking over like a mountain range or something? It's a very like, it's hard to get a good shot. A lot of glare. It's like pops, my pussy has red eyes. It's just weird. <laughs> Not good. Um, I'm, trying, I'm trying some dick sometimes. Like I'm trying to like be comfortable with the dick. Like I was like, I, you know, I, I, uh, I am bisexual. So I am the B in the LGBTQIA plus community. That's right, the B is often silent. So you don't hear, uh, there's no by March. <laughs> Nobody would go, it's just me and Cynthia Nixon. Everybody hates a bisexual. You know, everybody hates a bisexual, it's true. And uh, I started off as a straight up les. I was a les, I had a girlfriend. We looked exactly alike. We were like so Bernal Heights, like we had the same like, Tiva sandals, matching Patagonia fleece. <laughs> so similar. And uh, we shared a vibrating egg and we would 
pass it between each other. It was real March of the Penguins. <laughs> then I realized that there is a side of me that likes dick. The inside. I liked it. I like both. I was sort of able to sort of develop sexually without any kind of uh, rules, I guess. My, my parents still have not told me where babies come from. Um, they were just so far removed from any kind of sex talking that it was just, it was impossible. Like when I got my period, when I was 12 years old, the, my mom was like, oh no, oh no, a curse on our house. Like it was like this weird fucking, don't tell anybody that you got your parents. And then so, this is so long ago that I had to use uh, maxi pads that had no adhesive on the back, like, because adhesive had not been invented yet. So I, I had to uh, attach it to um, my body with a belt that went around my waist, which was, it was steampunk as fuck. Like, it was like this garter thing that hung up. I could wear that at, at, at Burning Man now, and I would be so au courant. But I mean, it was just like, it was like a white pad that went, I looked like a really small sumo wrestler and I had to wear it. And the, um, the pads were like really thick. It was like a white brick. It was hard and white and big and you would just bleed on it. It would get softer as you bled on it over the day, over the day. And then to dispose of the pad, my mom was like really, no, you cannot put in a garbage candy in the bathroom. What you have to do is take pad and wrap in the toilet paper. You wrap it, wrap it, wrap in the toilet paper. You wrap, wrap, wrap it, and then you put it inside the paper bag. You brown paper bag. You put all the way on the bottom of paper bag, and then you roll up the paper bag, and then you take a plastic bag and you put all the way down in the plastic bag and then roll up the plastic bag and then you take it all the way downstairs to kitchen garbage. You go to kitchen, kitchen garbage and put all the way down in the kitchen garbage, all the way underneath all of the kimchi and then all of the, the orange peel and put all the way down at the... I know that my mom is uh, single-handedly responsible for global warming. I'm pretty sure, like, just the waste, but um, so we, we, ne we have not had the sex talk yet. They're still around, maybe I, well, I'll get it sometime. Maybe I'll get it sometime. Um, so okay, this is uh, what we're gonna do. I'm going to interview uh, a couple of really, really cool people. And um, so there, our first guest coming out here, he really is an amazing, he's an amazing person. I think that, you know, all, all of the things that he, he's been able to accomplish, of course, everybody knows him from Mythbusters, and uh, all of the things that he's done for San Francisco and uh, for television, and um, I'm so excited that he's here. Please welcome Adam Savage. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I'm so excited. Oh my God, me too. This is so cool. Now, I am I'm so excited uh, to get into cosplay. I am like a secret cosplayer. I'm actually doing like a hate streak cosplay. It's like a Janis Joplin You're um, nailing it. cosplay. Every time I get dressed or uh, put on makeup, to me it's an, sort of an opportunity 
for cosplay, and I know that you are a big fan of cosplay. And you're, you're basically paraphrasing RuPaul, who says, we're born naked and everything else is drag. Exactly. It's so true. It's all drag, and it's all, to me, it's the art of, of uh, presenting oneself to the world and having fun with it. And um, so what, uh, what is the most fun costume? What's your favorite costume you've ever made? Oh, um, it's often the one that I just finished, mm -hmm. but I haven't made one in a while. Um, the one that is the most um, beautiful to wear in terms of the experience is my Totoro costume. Oh, yes, yes. Um, and I built this for New York Comic Con a, couple, a few years ago. Um, and on a couple of Halloweens, I've actually worn it out in the Mission District. Uh-huh. And my wife, we're just sitting in the house. I mean, we have dogs, so we shut our house down for Halloween because they'll freak out. Yes. And we're sitting there in our house on Halloween, kind of bunk hunkered down. And my wife was like, you want to put on Totoro? Let's take him out on the street. Oh. And so she followed me for about an hour. And when we finished, she said, that was an antidepressant. Oh. Like, the love that pe people lose their minds seeing a full-size Totoro. And they come up and they hug it and, like... Of course, it's my neighborhood, so half the people are like, hey, Adam. Yeah, they know it's you. Now, will you explain there? I mean, there mo most people know who Totoro is, but do you want to explain? To yeah, uh, so Totoro is the main character of an amazing film called My Neighbor Totoro by my favorite filmmaker, Hayao Miyazaki. Yes. Uh, Japanese anime director. His film Spirited Away is one of my top five favorite films, and I won't qualify it and say animated, because his films are so other- they take you and they transport you into completely other realities. And My Neighbor Totoro, if you're wondering if it's okay for your kids, some of his films are hard to take, but mm -hmm. My Neighbor Totoro is a beautiful story about some, a family uh, and they meet these forest beasts and a bus that's a cat. Mm -hmm. uh, and again, these are super surreal, but he's always taking you into really consistent worlds. Mm -hmm. So you feel like you're visiting a real place. Yes, yes, it's beautiful. I mean, I think that, um, is that, it's like, to me, like all of the, when I watch the movies, I have to eat dumplings. Like it's kind of like dumpling porn. It's like weird, like pot sticker porn. Well, so in Spirited Away, there's this point at which the main character, Sen, gets stuck in a spirit world through an amusement park she visits with her parents. And as she's trying to figure out the rules, she kind of reaches her first triumph. She gets a job in the bathhouse and she's working with the maids and at the end of her first really difficult day, the woman who's taken her under her wing gives her a big pork bun. Mm -hmm. And Sen takes the pork bun and she starts to eat it and at that moment she starts to cry. And it's that great release of like the, I have a moment of space to kind of process what's happened. And every time I eat a pork bun ever since then, I think about Sen and that, that emotional relief. Yes, I mean, that's really beautiful. It's really, it's really great. I love, I love Totoro as a costume. Is there a costume that is very difficult for, like, because everybody, what I know that they love is the space suit. The space, yeah, and I have, uh, I think now like seven some or, fans, yeah. Some fans of the space I have suit. seven, no, I, 11 space suits now. Well, that's a lot. Yeah. I can't stop. It's so a, it's a habit. are they different eras? Or are they different countries? All, all of the above. Right now, it's almost entirely US-based and science fiction movies. Okay. So I've got like Mercury, Gemini, Apollo, EMU, uh, and shuttle spacesuits. But I also have suits from Alien, uh, from 2001, and mm -hmm. from, from other uh, Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. Um, and there's always like four or five on my list. Those tend to be fairly easy to put on because it's like boots, coveralls, gloves, and helmet. The only okay. difficulty is that all costumes that I make are hot as balls. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think like um, 
I, I always think about spacesuits and like, if you have them in space, how do you shit? Or do you wear a diaper? I mean, and if you shit in space, does it just float next to your asshole? Or, do, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, where does the shit go like when you're shitting? Like I was, I really think about being an astronaut and I'm like, I think I would be okay if this shit was in my suit, but I want to know if it's going to like float independently of me or if I need to contain the shit somehow, like push it down, like with my, like, you know what I mean? Like, like if like you're like, okay, whenever, if you're on earth and you shit your pants, which I do, um, I know where it's gonna go. Like, I know it's gonna go in my underwear, it's gonna flatten out, it's gonna get cold, some of the liquid is gonna go through the underwear and kind of make sort of an all across, like a sort of a strain stain on the back of my pants. But if I'm wearing denim or something, it's gonna contain it, so I bought myself maybe half an hour, um, you know, before I have to get to my destination and deal with myself. So, but if you're in space, what, happens to the solid liquid form what happens to the shit itself does it i don't know uh so they wear uh they used to wear first of all i think they make really sure that they eat a specific diet so that during a spacewalk shitting is not an issue okay okay but they do have to urinate and they used to have a thing called a ucd which uh is basically this sort of conical condom that you cut specifically to yourself Okay. And I've actually worn one of these because oh. I flew in a in a in a uh, 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 I flew in the what was the thing? Yeah, I, I uh, what's the dragon lady called? The 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 yes yes I, the U two spy plane. Thank you. My short term memory is shot. It's all the weed. Um, <laughs> so I flew in the U two spy plane. I wore a spacesuit, and when they hand you this condom, this thing, and they say cut it so that it fits just over the glands, and then they have this line and they say, don't cut it on the pride side. What is that? That means you want a good seal, so you don't want to like cut a big hole because you think that you're large. Oh. You want it to fit you tightly. Oh, I see. But I mentioned this to an astronaut, and he said, yeah, we don't wear those anymore, because after a few hours, you can't tell if it's on or off, and one astronaut on a spacewalk had to urinate and his UCD was not on and the urine vaporized into his spacesuit and coated the inside of his visor. Wow. And so in order to continue the spacewalk and keep seeing, he had to push the visor and use his own face as a squeegee. <laughs> See, NASA doesn't tell these stories. Yeah. Because they're afraid of, because they, they're beholden to politics and they're afraid of trivializing space. But these are the great stories. I've heard stories about little things of poo flying around the ISS. Wow. And everyone's freaking out about it. Yeah. Um, and then I visited, I was at Johnson last year and I visited the little space shuttle simulator and I saw the toilet. And the thing about the toilet is you sit down on it and then right here is a video screen and this is joystick and you use the video screen to aim the shit collector up to your asshole. So what you're wow. looking at is your own butthole. Oh my God. And I'm looking at this and I'm like, oh my God. And I turn to the astronaut and he goes, yeah, you get to know yourself really well. Wow. I had no idea. It's like a video game where you're like, right. got it. <laughs> that would be a good game. I mean, that I would play that game. I'm just continuing the theme of assholes. 
I think it's a good theme. No, because it's like the practical concerns of being in space and not having gravity. I mean, gravity is the one thing that we can't always sort of count on on Earth. So everything kind of goes through that. But if, when you're shitting, and it, that is also another thing you have to count on as, it, as being on this planet or being a human. So, but is it kind of like a... Um, is it like a claw that goes in your asshole and then pulls the shit out? Like, I'm, I'm like thinking like, you know those stuffed animal things that like a claw and then you like, you win it, like you win the shit. Is that how it works? I believe it is a, a, a vacuum whose interface to your butt would seal nicely around oh, your like sphincter. <laughs> For instance. So it's like a human centipede. It's like human centipede basically, but you're... Attaching, so it's just... Exactly. So it sucks the shit out of your asshole? Yeah, it's a vacuum. Yeah, so yeah, it does suck the shit out. Wow. I mean, is it, does it have like lips or is it like just... Um, I believe every astronaut has their preference. I get Everybody's going to have... Like, is it like... A, I would like mine to be shaped like another asshole. Like, it's like I would like... I want mine to be a flower. I think a flower would be a nice... I mean, I just... I, that's incredible. And I think that uh, you would need some practice, too. Yeah, doing no, that. They, absolutely, they absolutely practice this in order to get it right, which means you're not the only one witnessing that video. Oh, yes. There's someone else who's like, I've got, so, I've got some notes. And there's, you, could do, you could get more of a payout. Like, exactly. I feel like my asshole would, sh would close down. I think my... Because I, I mean, it's like I can only shit... Uh, I mean, I have to shit all the time, but I can only shit, like either under duress or, I mean, it's like, I don't really command my shit, my shit commands me. So I'm mostly led by my shitting instinct. Um, I don't have the kind of, I can't shit like on command. Like I don't have the, the power. So they, I guess they do. I, I have this thing where if I have to poop really badly and then I don't get to a bathroom and that feeling goes away, I always feel like a loss. Right. Even though I know it's eventually coming out. Right. I still feel like I missed an opportunity. Yeah, like it's like, the, it's a, the thing is, is that mine um, is very insistent. Like my uh, rectum is like, no, no. And then it's like the women's march, you know, it keeps going and it keeps going. Keeps going. Every year we're gonna bet more and more people, more protesters. Like it gets more ammunition and it goes even farther. And then sometimes like if I um, get to a bathroom and then I uh, touch the bathroom door, I'll shit right then. Because then it's kind of like I'm almost there. Like, because it, it's like my asshole's like, oh, thank God. And, uh, but I didn't say thank God. I, I'm just touching the door. But for some reason, it's kind of like, oh, you're home safe. Go ahead. We, we had to do an episode where we had to figure out which was worse, driving while drunk or driving while having to pee. Oh. And so we brought a urologist on the set with a sonogram machine and I kept drinking water until he felt that my bladder was as big as it could safely medically be <gasps> filled with water, which oh. I'm here to tell you is so painful oh, yeah. and so awful. And I was walking, I think there's actually a name for the walk that you do when you really have to pee. There's actually uh -huh. a, a name for that pose. Um, and that was way worse than driving while drunk. Wow. Yeah. I mean, 
had you ever had you do you uh, recall ever having feeling that 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 much before? No, no. It and, was and to the point of like you wouldn't you would go go before you. All of us would have. Yeah. Yeah, and this this was like a doctor going. If you drank one more thing of water, you'd actually be in danger of having too much water in your system. Mm-hmm. Like it'll dilute your blood. You can actually drown from drinking water. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I think I know I know that, but just like um to uh to have to urinate so badly that it would just be, be harmful. I know that they put the my cameraman sat right outside the porta potty at the end of the sequence mm-hmm. and filmed the sound of me <laughs> letting this pee go, and it was like two and a half solid minutes. Yeah, that's long. It was crazy that's how long. long it was. Yeah, that's really, really no, long. I was like. <laughs> I love it. But cosplay. But cosplay. Well, I mean, it is. It is goes back to like the the costumes. I mean, the the spacesuit is another. It's very restrictive, and it's hot inside. And I think, well, our Halloween costumes when we were growing up, because we're similar in age. I'm 51. So when we are, um, like, when we had a Halloween costumes in the 70s, it was like a mask that was plastic that would have two tiny holes. Yep. And then if you were Asian and your, your eyeballs sit on your skull, as ours do, it would be like cutting into your face, like... I had a th- I had a C-3PO no, no, I, costume that would just like cut into my eyeball, but it was like that was all we had. Oh, and then a weird smock. Yeah, no, my so the the first Halloween costume I ever got was my mom bought me a Jaws Halloween costume, which consisted of a shark, a vacuum shark face, mm-hmm. and a smock that was the poster for Jaws. <laughs> Just That's how little thought they put I mean, into it. Not even the shark. You could put no. the shark body with the gills and no, just yeah, the and, poster and, of the and movie. And now kids, you can buy muscle suits for your children. Yeah. The kids have it. The, the, the costumes today that you can get online are, are pretty phenomenal. Um, my dog and I, uh, for Halloween, <laughs> we were, um, I was a knight in shining armor, which I, I was very proud of my costume, and she was a dragon, and it was the cutest dog dragon costume. Oh. It was very, very cute, but um, we wouldn't have been able to do that. We would just be wearing smocks with like things that cut into our eyes, <laughs> our Asian eyes. You know, but speaking to the discomfort of all the costumes are slightly uncomfortable and that's sort of part of the ethos of cosplay and one of the things I love witnessing when I walk around a con floor is people who are like you know that kind of at the same time we all have pieces of clothing that aren't necessarily comfortable but they make us feel so great when we wear them a jacket that pulls us a little bit but makes us look beautiful yeah and that comfort you feel in those pieces of clothing, I get the same thing out of the costumes that I wear. It's the same kind of, I'm transforming in a different way. Mm-hmm. And it took me, I mean, I'm still discovering the, all the psychological ramifications for me of that transformation, but it's a real process, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we put on clothes and they can really affect our moods. Yes. And the same thing goes for putting on a costume and, and playing a character. And then when you go to the, a con floor, it's not in a vacuum. It's not like I'm walking down the street in New York. I'm walking among people who, if they love the franchise that I'm representing with this costume, they're going to play along. Right, right. And yeah. that's beautiful. It's really beautiful. It's like a, there's a, that's like a theater in which the audience and the performers are, the line between them is completely blurred. Yes. Have you, um, have you had a costume that has a real emotional resonance with you? Uh, yeah, no face. I w- I, it's another Miyazaki costume. Yes, I was yes. uh, no face from Spirited Away. And uh, this was the moment in which I understood, I felt like I understood the first 
sort of level of cosplay, which was I was in the movie Spirited Away, No Face is this sort of lost demon that Sen befriends and he doesn't know how to make friends and he he's tries to make friends by giving them gold and then eating them. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and later on, he vomits them all back up. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I was no face, of seven feet tall with this floating white face. And whenever someone took a, asked to take a picture with me, I wouldn't speak. I would just nod. And, you know, in cosplay, you practice the motion like any actor. Mm-hmm. And then I would make a gold coin appear and I'd give them a gold coin like the movie. Mm-hmm. And then somebody gave me the gold coin back, like angrily. Mm-hmm. And I realized it's because it's bad luck to take uh-huh. gold from no face in the movie. And I was like, oh! <gasps> Oh my gosh, this is amazing what's <laughs> happening here. And then, so two people gave me gold coins back and I ended up meeting one of them. I was checking through San Francisco airport and this young TSA agent was like, I met you at Comic-Con last year and I gave you that gold coin back. Oh. I was like, thank you. That's so great. I know. I mean, because they're acting, they're, you know, because they're in the story with you. Right. And, and reminding you of the truth of the story. Um, and, and that story... Look, all we do is tell stories to each other, right? Yeah. And they resonate and they teach us and they're part of our education and our self-awareness. And when we can jump into a different narrative and sort of play around within that, it's real. Somebody once asked Paul Thomas Anderson, is it weird to work with an actor like Daniel Day-Lewis who never breaks character? Mm-hmm. And Anderson's response was, wouldn't you, if you could, yeah. become someone else for a few months? Yeah. Like, what, a, what an amazing, weird grace that would be. It, yeah, I mean, it would be really great. Although I did do a movie with, um, with Nicolas Cage, and he was fucking in character the whole time. And it was face-off, so it was oh. real confusing <laughs> because... He was real shitty to uh, me because w- for the first part of the movie because he was himself. And then for the second part of the movie, he was real nice because he was John Travolta. But so <laughs> it was so fucking weird because it was like, I thought you hated me. He's like, no. Like, and it was just, he, he was in character until he changed character and then it was fucked up. Then I'm like, wait a second. What's going on? Um, but yes, true. It is like we're, we're, we're all playing these characters, and then it, but it's, it's beautiful to like put on a costume. For me, it's a, a way to be really playful and kind of just be anything, and, and that's really great. And, and one of the things that I love about Mythbusters is that really it speaks to that playful side of science and the playful nature of what you're doing, even though it's sort of big, very dangerous, scary things. And how did you present that when you were pitching or making the show? So we weren't, we actually got hired as talent for a show that had already been developed, Discovery mm-hmm. had bought it, and they were looking for hosts. Uh, and so in 2002, I was teaching myself digital filmmaking. I would bought a new laptop and I would bought a digital camera and I was sort of figuring out how to cut f- little films. And Jamie Heineman called me and said, he was a professional colleague at that point. We'd mm-hmm. worked together on some, uh, I'd worked for him for a few years and then we would occasionally work together. And he asked if I wanted to shoot this demo reel. And that playfulness is us, yeah. right? That's, that's us both being able to take things very seriously and gravely seriously to keep ourselves and our crew safe, but also, like, it's totally amazing what we were able to be allowed to do, you know? Like, uh, water ski behind a, 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 an excavator. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or fly in an F A eighteen Hornet where vomiting repeatedly does not diminish from the pleasure of the experience yeah, at all. Yeah. Um, and so we um, we really dove into that absurdity, uh, and the show kind of grew up around that ethos for us. Yeah, oh, that's amazing. And then so that was such a long running show. I mean, it's really an iconic 
thing when you look at all of the things that you got to do and the legacy of it, which is still going on, of course. And so then now, what's next? What other shows are you doing now? Uh, well, so a couple years ago, I made an amazing Mythbusters spinoff called Mythbusters Junior with six amazing science kids. Um, I don't know if that we're going to make any more of those. I would love to. Earlier last year, I made a show called Savage Builds, mm -hmm. uh, in which I built some really weird crap with lots of people I love, uh, including I made a working suit of Iron Man armor out of $250,000 of 3D printed titanium, and it was bulletproof, and we flew it. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. So awesome. That is so awesome. Um, and right now, my full-time gig is my website, Tested, my YouTube channel. Um, we're... Thank you, one person. Um, I build stuff there all the time. I do how-tos, I do tool tips. Uh, I, I want everyone to feel the power of making and in the way that I enjoy it. And I don't restrict that to the physical making of things. To me, making is any time you use your point of view to make something that didn't exist before. Mm -hmm. So that could be a dress or a joke or a lamp or a table or a play. Mm -hmm. uh, all those are forms of that. And in my opinion, when, when you do that, when you take your point of view and something happens from it, that moment teaches you who you are. That's the, you start to confront yourself. And to me, self-awareness is the point of what we're doing here. So I want everyone to be able to like fly their freak flag and try whatever they want to do and do that weird hobby because I actually submit that all hobbies are actually fucking weird. They, that's like, true. That's if true. If you think about fishing, even for a moment, it's pretty indefensible. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. weird. It's weird. Yeah. It's definitely uh, weird. But again, people, we get solace from those things. Right. Right. And finding whatever that is that is your freaky thing yeah. is so satisfying. And the things that we can do to channel our en energy there and, and to create our own worlds, is it's really magic. Well, so there's this other thing that's grown up out of the cosplay community that's also awesome. Um, if you were participating in the maker community 15 years ago online, there was a lot of bullshit gatekeeping back then mm -hmm. about the difference between art and craft. Mm -hmm. um, really, really useless, pointless gatekeeping. And that has effectively disappeared yeah. from the landscape. And it's great. And one of the central uh, uh, central sort of uh, moralities of, of cosplay is that you share everything. You share your techniques, you share the tools that you're using, you're sharing your files, you're showing people the research that you did. And one of the best things about going out on a floor in cosplay is running into someone else wearing the same costume. Because yeah. you know you've chewed on the same mud, that you've <laughs> solved the same problems, and you're getting the same armor bites on the inside of your, the soft part of your arm, and you're yeah. getting pissy about it. Like, you share a camaraderie with those people. Yeah, and that's really beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I am so, so glad that we got to do this today. Thank you so much, Adam. Adam Savage, everybody. Margaret. <laughs> Thank you. You're Thank one of my heroes. You. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. 
Amazing. Um, so uh, we have one more guest, which I'm very excited about. Uh, he is somebody that is, I mean, pretty much Canadian royalty. We, <laughs> we go back, although we'll talk about this, we go back a, a long way, and um, I'm, I'm really excited to have him here. Please welcome Kevin McDonald. You want to go? We want to, You want that? You can be in that. You can be. Why don't you be in that chair? Okay. We can like switch okay. it up. Switch That's it up. That's what I meant. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. To be in that chair. Thank you very much. I love you, by the way. Thank you for loving me. I love you. <laughs> I love you. I love you. I love you. So, um, when uh, Kids in the Hall came to America in um, yeah, America, <laughs> America, yeah. yeah, Kids in the Hall, <laughs> Kids in the Hall came to. What, what year did you, you guys do the show, shows at Royce Hall? So was it 1994 or 94? It was a week after Kurt Cobain died. Oh, sorry. That's right. <laughs> oh my God, that's right. Because um, th I remember uh, that Kurt Cobain was a big Kids in the Hall fan. Yes. And he had been... He was supposed to come to the show, but he killed himself instead. <laughs> well, he, um, he had been writing letters um, and talking about the show, and he wrote a letter to Scott Thompson. Yes. Uh, yes, and uh, uh, long story short, I haven't even started yet, um, uh, we, we were like two cities away b before we played Seattle, and uh, Scott was supposed to call Kurt Cobain, and we were in the elevator, on the, we just checked in on the way up to our rooms, and I said, uh, this is not funny by the way, and I said, um, um, remember, call Kurt Cobain, uh, he said, oh, I will right now, and then, I, uh, then he got off on his floor, we're always in different floors for some reason, I don't know yeah. why. Uh, and then uh, I went to my room and I put on Much Music, which is uh, Canada's MTV. Right. And uh, woo, one, one woo. And, um, and they were announcing the death of Kurt Cobain. Oh. I told you it wasn't funny. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, the, um, I remember when um, Kurt, that whole thing happened and, uh, and Scott was really upset about it. But we were, all, yeah. we were all very upset, if you can imagine. I mean... Um, yeah, Scott was really upset. And then... Uh, a little, a few months later, he was really upset about the O.J. Simpson thing. And I remember uh, we were writing the movie Brain Candy, and Bruce McCullough said, I'll accept you being upset about Kurt Cobain, but not O.J. Simpson. Not, yeah. not O.J. Simpson. Yeah, yeah. Um, when, I, uh, uh, when I found out about O.J. Simpson, this is so San Francisco. I was in, um, we, uh, I was at Chris Isaac's house in, this, in the inner sunset. And we... Um, <laughs> Uh, well, we, we were just like finished having sex and the whole thing about us is that we like, I was such a fan that I was like really nervous to be fucking him, but it was like also like, I could not stop farting because I was so nervous and then, so what I would do is I would like lean over on the side of the bed and then I would pull my asshole open so that my fart would sigh into the air like, because <sighs> you can't, Fart in front of a rock star, right? Especially like San Francisco's own Chris Isaac. So um, I would do that. But uh, so we, we, after I did that, we were watching TV and, um, and OJ Simpson was uh, on the 405 with uh, being driven by wow. uh, AC Cowlings in the Bronco, in the white Bronco. And uh, Chris was like, can you believe this isn't happening? This is happening. And then, you know, we, we couldn't believe it because OJ Simpson actually went to Galileo. He's a San Francisco guy. And, um, oh, yeah. And he, uh, O.J. Simpson beat up B.D. Wong, uh, beat up, not B.D. Wong, but B.D. Wong's father on the 38 Gary in the 60s. And so B.D. Wong's father was like, that guy, there's something wrong with that guy. 
And we didn't believe him until uh, 1994. Yes. And now we know. Now we know. Uh, this is not funny either, but here I go. Jim, uh, Jim Brown also, the famous running back Jim Brown? Correct, yes. He also said O.J. Simpson, there was something wrong with him like years before anything happened. Wow. Wait. I'm going to tell a lot of stuff that's not funny because I, mean, I feel comfortable. <laughs> You're still funny, though. But, yeah, even when I'm not funny, I'm funny. Yeah, I know. He's very funny. Thank you very much. But uh, Jim Brown, wasn't he in Brian's song? No, that, um, uh, that was Gail Sayers. Uh, oh, Gail Sayers. No, sorry, that was uh, Billy D. Williams playing Gail Sayers. Oh, okay. That's a beautiful movie, by the way. Thank you very much. Brian Song. Brian Song. <laughs> Thank you very much. I remember seeing it as a kid and my mother crying, crying like uh, all night and the next morning crying. Mm. Uh, d- does anyone remember Brian's Song? Brian, Brian Song, it's a sad um, movie. It's really about race relationships yes. in the 60s with... Um, yes, with, with a real football player, uh, Gail Sayers, who was... Uh, uh, here, I'm going to be boring again, but I'm, I feel comfortable. You may feel you comfortable enough to be I'm boring. Not, yeah. Um, uh, t- technically, um, uh, probably the best running back ever. Gail Sayers, yeah. Are there any football... No? Oh, sorry, he wasn't a 49er. <laughs> You're going to the Super Bowl. That's not good enough. That's not good enough? I have to say Frank Gore? The Super Bowl's not good enough? <laughs> what is this? Uh, <laughs> it's like... This is me. I better be charming! You're very charming all the time. <laughs> I know, but I have to force it sometimes. Uh, when you saw us that day, the ninety, um, the ninety-four show. What was it called? It was uh, when you played Royce Hall. That's it. So Pam Thomas had brought over uh, the kids in the hall to introduce them to American comedians. Right at a party. At a party. So she had a party. The thing is, is that she was developing a female version of Kids in the Hall, an American female version, which was me, Janine Garofalo, Kathy Griffin, and Laura Keitlinger. Wow. Um, and uh, so we were, did we, did a, we were in a troop called Brick It's an House. all-star team. That's cheating. Well, this is before we, not any of us were really established. Janine was probably established, uh, but then she became this huge movie star. And then, and then um, I was uh, just too, I, I was trying to do TV, so we, could, we were too disjointed to actually come together. So it didn't end up working. But she um, had, had brought over uh, the kids in the hall, and it was like the Beatles. Think if you imagine like this Canadian Beatles, but they were comedians, and it was the most exciting thing ever. It was fun for us meeting you. It's funny you say the Beatles uh, because every time uh, we're on tour and they pick us up at the hotel and they drive us uh, to the the club, there's only three guys with autographs. They're fat guys and they probably sell the autographs. And we always sing to ourselves, uh, pretending they're a hundred groupies. It's a hard day's night. But it's not. But no, like but that. didn't you feel that in 1994 that you had that sort of that feeling of like coming to America as this like group, <laughs> like the Beatles getting off the plane in New York? Yeah. <laughs> no, we didn't feel that way. We thought we <laughs> thought of you as like the Beatles. See other comics, other yeah. comics. Yes. Uh, we yeah. all of the comics we idolize you so much. I remember um, Karen Kilgariff and I, uh, who's a, a good friend. She was like. Your murderino, she's the, the best. She does um, my favorite murder, and she's very, very funny. But she uh, and I were so excited. So we all had to pick one of you. I, of course, picked Scott Thompson, the gay one. Of course. Always. And I got him. And um, <laughs> she, uh, she, she, we all had, like, our own. Like, everybody, I think... I no think, one had me, I know. No, no, everybody know. had you, too, because we thought you were so cute and funny. And you're still very cute and funny. Thank you very much for lying. It's very no, nice. No, no, but it was... <laughs> Um, it, uh, I think that Janine got, uh, she got, she loved Dave yes. Foley. Yes. And uh, she, she hung out that. with him. 
And um, who did anybody? Did any of our comics hook up with the kids in the hall? I don't think so. Uh, let me think. And anyway, as soon as I remember, I'll, um, I'll I won't say it. But you know what? In uh, <laughs> in the, <laughs> the kids in the hall days, when we got fan mail. Um, uh, th they were too cool to read fan mail, and I was kind of like, what's the word, loser? And uh, <laughs> I, I read everyone's fan mail, and everyone's fan mail went like this. Um, uh, Dear Dave, you're so cute. You're as cute as a puppy dog. My mom said I can marry you when, you, when I'm 21. And then, then Bruce's fan mail was always, uh, Bruce, your dark, twisted soul arrests my heart. Let me be your tattooed gothic princess. <laughs> and, and my fan mail always was, Kevin, you seem nice. Can you tell Dave I want to marry him? <laughs> True story. Really? Yeah, I got like seven of those. Oh, <laughs> that's so cute. Um, I, I remember that Mark, um, I, at the party, Mark asked me, Mark, Mark McKinney, yes, I know him. Mark McKinney asked me if I had read um, Gravity's Rainbow. And I, did, I was like, I was did so really? terrified that I just, started walking backwards so that I wouldn't have to talk to him anymore. Like, I just kept walking backwards and walking out of the room. It was too, I was so, so out I of my league. I like, I read a lot of books, but that book would scare me. Gravity's Thomas Pychon. Is, is he from San Francisco, Thomas Pychon? I don't know. I don't know. No, no, yeah, I trust this guy. He I don't know. No. I, was, I, was, I was intimidated by the intellect of somebody that would read a book Yeah, like I know. That. Yeah. I, I want to read every book ever, but uh, his books scare me a bit. Am I right to be scared? <laughs> They're Thank very you very scary. much. I trust the guy with the straw. Straw guy, I trust. So then you guys came to America, but then you ended up uh, go going back to Canada. Would you do the thing is that the Kids in the Hall was such a big show, and um, such uh, uh, well, only critically, uh, not ratings wise. Sorry, go on. It Sorry, was ratings wise. It wasn't. It wasn't. Well, we watched it on. Um, was it on Nick at Night? In America, um, uh, maybe, HBO. But, but HBO, HBO and, and Comedy Central. Central, and then later CBS, but late night CBS, which meant like three in the morning. Oh, but I, I had it on um, VHS, also, oh, and then also, um, uh, oh, SCTV was on Nick at Night. Yeah, there are way better Canadian sketch comedy shows. No, there's no. I mean, it's they're they're that era, and you guys are your era. Yeah, we, we uh, when we were being pompous, which is all the time, we always thought that uh, SCTV were better actors, and then we were better writers. Why are you? Why do you um, well, brace like, yourself as if I'm going to beat you? Because <laughs> you might. Because I'm a Canadian who just complimented the, uh, like myself, and I'm sorry. Uh, no, that's okay. <laughs> but also, it's what Bruce McCullough calls accomplice salt. Because we also, I also insulted us because uh, uh, obviously they were better actors than us. That's obvious. Co yeah. Well, it's a, it's a very it's a complex it's a complex thing. The, the Canadian dance of yeah, yeah of pride. You yeah, don't want to be proud. I'm a little good, but not that good. Yeah. It's a, always this this and <laughs> I mean, but but you are that good. And then uh, you know I love the chicken lady. And oh yes. Uh, yes, uh, Mark McKinney. Is that an interesting story to how it was created? No. Well, I'll just take the compliment from yes. <laughs> <laughs> I like when you also you're like any kind of lady. All of you as ladies are very beautiful ladies. Yes. Uh, thank. Well, I, you're lying about me. Uh, you know, the first time, uh, the first week we were filming, the crew didn't know who the kids in the hall were. They didn't know they were. It was five guys. They just like were coming to work, as great as they were. And Dave Foley was so beautiful. One of the crew guys uh, asked him on a date for Friday night. Aww. And, well, because Dave's a Canadian, he said yes. <laughs> he didn't want to hurt his feelings, but never showed up, which makes him worse. Mm -hmm. But then um, you, when, when the, show, uh, the show was there, and then you came to America, and then you all sort of did different things here. 
Yeah, yeah, like we all moved to Los Angeles. Um, and yeah, <laughs> and we did different things. I can't add to that. Um, acting, acting, and yeah, yeah. Like I acted more. I, I wrote. I, I sold a lot of things and never got shot, which I think is a common story in Los Angeles. And um, Scott did a lot of acting. Uh, Bruce became a director. Uh, mm -hmm. Dave became a star of a TV show, mm -hmm. and um, and Mark McKinney um, uh, did everything. He, like he like he went behind the camera and in front of the camera. Yeah, he's on Superstore now. Yes, he is. Yes. D does anyone watch Superstore? Yes, it's a great show. It gets like picked up every year. It's a great show. <laughs> it's a great show. It's, it's really, I mean, it's really funny. And he's always really funny. Show. I mean, I think like, so then when you go back to Canada, is it like royalty? Uh, yes, but uh, can, well, actually, we were just, um, uh, the it's called the Canadian TV Awards, which is the Oscars and Emmys uh, shoved together because they didn't have enough time to like, the, uh, there's not enough celebrities to do like uh, both things. And we, um, <laughs> And a year ago, like exactly a year ago today, we were, um, we were given the Canadian Icon Award, which means you still have to tell, uh, when you go to Canadian Customs, you still have to tell them who you are. Because um, the, the Canadian no one knows who a Canadian Icon is. I, I know if I'm ever being arrested, I'm a Canadian Icon! <laughs> <laughs> like, who are Canadian Icons? Um, Margaret Atwood? Margaret Atwood, of course. Canadian Icon. Uh, um, Mike Myers probably will be one. Mike, uh, Mike Myers, for sure. Uh, um, Alice Monroe, is she Canadian? She's a, is she a Winnipegger? I lost them, I'm sorry. And the, uh, uh, Justin Bieber, Justin Bieber. Justin Bieber, yes. He's not, he hasn't been voted icon yet, he's too young, they think. Yeah, I always forget that he's Canadian. He is Canadian, um, uh, I have no story. <laughs> but the, Isn't it great, I always like, th I, I always, I'm brave, I always think I have a story and then I have no story about Justin I Bieber. I wanna hear about your story about being in the Outcast video. Oh, um, uh, yes, I, I was in the Outcast video uh, for the song Roses, uh, and I was very excited because, like, I love that album. It was I, like love, a, I love Outcast. It was like a Prince album, that album. Yeah, they're great. And uh, what happened is that the director, for some reason, uh, whose name I remember, because he was the nicest guy in the world, Brian Barber, he called my agent, and he called my agent because my agent also did Eugene Levy from SCTV um, yes. and many other things that you Americans know him for uh, more than SCTV, and he asked for um, uh, Eugene Levy. And um, my agent said, um, well, actually, he's in Canada, but I have a kid in the hall. And Brian Barber said, don't even tell me which kid in the hall. I love them. Just send them. <laughs> and I think he was a little disappointed when it was me. Um, oh. <laughs> and they, came, they, they shot the thing in a high school. And um, the, the thing I remember the most, that it was the best catering ever. Because... Um, <laughs> It was a whole classroom of every kind of food in the world, every kind of country in the world. I ate so much, and, and it was amazing. And um, I forget her name, because I'm aging and I forget names. Um, not Paris Hilton, the other woman that was in the show with her? Nicole Richie. Nicole Richie. Uh, we were in a gigantic dressing room, and she didn't know who I was, but she was so nice. She was like 400 feet away from me, and just because I was the other person in the room, she waved. And I That's <laughs> nice. That was so nice. Uh, and then... Uh, <laughs> She just, she just waved. Didn't know who I was, just like being a nice human being, which is neat to be a nice yeah. human being. Um, and then uh, when I was in the middle of, a, like after take one of my scene, um, Andre 3000 was by the, uh, the director, and he, uh, he walked to me, and, he, and he's, he's like Prince, he's tiny, and, um, and I thought he was gonna yell at me because I was ad-libbing, mm -hmm. and, and then he said, um, you're very funny, but you need a tie. Because I, 
I was playing the principal of the high school, but I don't have ties. Oh. That's the one, th- the, that's one way or a bell in the world. My dad was a salesman. He had ties. No ties, man. So I, because I, I said bring your own wardrobe, but I didn't have ties. And so then he, he actually got a little stool and he stood on it and he, he took his tie off and he put it on me. Aww. Of course, it was like a bright, like a, like a purple red kind of thing that, that made no sense for a principal. And he said, you look beautiful, man. And that's my Andre 3000 story. That's beautiful. Thank you. Yes. That's and Nicole Richie Wave, don't forget that. That's good. That's good. Um, did you ever meet, meet Prince? No. You never got to meet Prince? <laughs> I would love to. I've saw, I saw him twice in concert. Oh, yeah. I love, I, 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 saw, I saw him a number of times in concert. I, I really did you meet him? I bet you met him. Well, I did have a couple of opportunities to fuck Prince. And then the thing that happened was that, because I was like, I had a sort of a, I don't know, had a sort of kind of a weird like Apollonia vibe in like the <laughs> 90s. And um, so I... Get on my motorcycle. But I, every time, it was like, the last time I was like, I don't know, because he really looked just like Judy Garland. And it was like, because he had like this, this curling iron that it was like the, the curl on the top of his bangs was just so small. So it was like the curling iron with a real small barrel that you know that he just hit it with that. And I just was like, I don't think I could do it. I don't know. I felt bad because I was like, oh, I should fuck him. But did you turn him down? It wasn't that wasn't like that. It was like I could have just followed this this trail right. of like, oh, I can, I, you know, I should, I so should. So in a way, you turned the I, opportunity down. I, in a way, I avoided it, but I, I shouldn't have. I just was trying to like, whenever I, I'm going to fuck somebody, I'm like, first of all, I'm like, okay, can I stand this? Like that's kind of the first thing that I do. Any anybody, and it it has nothing to do with their attractiveness level. Sometimes they're too attractive. Right. Which is, um, you know, that's but maybe Prince would be too attractive. But then he was just so with the with the small curling iron that I, I was like, I don't know if I could do it. I would feel, I would feel guilty? like guilt. I don't know, guilty like, or just I would feel out uh, outshined. <laughs> I would feel outshined. I think that's the the most um, correct <laughs> best way to describe it. Best, but I I realized that, and I thought, oh well, I'll do it next time. That's the other thing that I think if I if if I. Uh, uh. If I'm gonna present it with the idea of fucking somebody, it's either one, can I stand it? Two, can I do it later? <laughs> and then I always try to do it later. I don't know, oh, I know why this reminds me. Scott Thompson forced the four kids in the hall to play this game where he said if we were ever to sleep with a famous man, who would it be? And my second place was Prince, but my first place, no one will care about this, but here I go. Why am I telling this story? It's got no value. Um, <laughs> was uh, Buster Keaton at the age of 26. Oh, yeah. That's a good choice. Because he's funny, but he's beautiful. He's like, a beautiful Before man. the alcohol hit? Yeah. <laughs> he's quite a beautiful Buster Keaton man. before the alcohol hit. I mean, it, because if you look at him, he, he's got this sort of like, but the, he almost looks like a, um, like Marcel Marceau or something. He looks like a mime. I mean, it's almost yeah. like mime makeup was made like from... Like beautiful eyes and, yeah. and total deadpan all the time. And that, that thing of like, he's, you, you think he would laugh, but he's not going to laugh, and, it, 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 and it, the, the, the face is very hard to read, so you don't know what is happening. Which I like. That, that means mystery. Yes. So I think that's a good male choice. I think so. Buster that's a good Keaton. one. That's yeah. a good one. I think that it's like, um, I mean, yeah, I, I'm glad that Scott would ask that question. Yeah. <laughs> the others wouldn't answer it. They wouldn't? No. Why, why are they so... Uh, I, what, <laughs> they just not wanna I don't know. I don't uh, uh, macho. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if that's so macho. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, Mark should have. Uh, Bruce and Dave. Yeah, just wouldn't give that of themselves. 
Um, what, is there a man today that you would like to have sex with, do you think? There probably is. I just can't think uh, right now. I'm trying now. to think. The man today. Like nowadays. I, mm, oh, I'm sure there. I know there is someone. I'm just not. I'm not like uh, like hiding it. I just can't think of. Uh, uh, I, I know there's someone. Uh, one of the Canadian Ryans, Ryan Gosling. Ryan Reynolds is better looking, but Ryan Gosling is a better actor. No, Ryan Reynolds is good. No, no, he's good. I'm not making fun of him. Ryan Gosling is an even better actor. Is Ryan Reynolds here tonight? I mean that. He's a Kids in the Hall fan. I, hear. I didn't. I didn't realize they're both Canadian. They're both Canadian. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. think. Well, I think Ryan Reynolds is very funny, though. He is very funny. Yeah, you know, it's just. Um, I just like. I like acting better than comedy. Isn't that weird? Even though I can't I mean, act. Yeah. I mean, I, I. I don't think that's weird because it's you know it, it and then but you do lots of different kinds of acting and you do sketch comedy too. Yeah. And so it's. But the, the kind of comedians you like are you like me? The kind of comedians I like are the comedians that do the thing I can't do, like Peter Sellers, character comics, or oh yeah, or Christopher Guest. Uh, who are your favorite comics? My favorite comedian is Brent Weinbach. Um, he is a San Francisco comedian, and but he doesn't live here anymore. But he's uh, he's very funny. He's half Filipino, so I just like Tiger Woods. I try to like you know claim his Asian side, <laughs> and um, <laughs> let people know that oh yeah you know he's he's half Asian, and uh, he's um, he in my mind he's the only comedian. You know I go through phases with artists like uh, for a long time uh, I was like Operation Ivy is the only band. So you right. know I get I go through like very specific Bay Area phases of people that I like. I'm her, Things I like, yes. When Liz Fair, when her uh, Ex and Gaivo came out, I said, um, this is the best album ever, and I, I, I actually, this is stupid, but here I go. I actually bought it twice. Because mm -hmm. I liked it so much. It's so good. It's so but good. But you bought it uh, on CD twice? or On CD twice. Or did you buy it on tape and then CD? Or? CD, CD twice. I still only buy things in CD because uh, streaming, I don't understand. I'm too old. It's like, it's in the air. You can't read anything. You can't hold it in your hand. So I buy CDs on Amazon. Uh, that's or, okay. Or Amoeba Records in Los Angeles. Yeah, so you have something tangible that's in your hand. Yes. I like vinyl, but I don't have a record player. Yes. But I like the way it smells. Yes! Yes, I know what that means. Yeah. Yes. It's got a smell, and then you have to be careful with it. You don't touch it. Yes. It's really good. Yes. Uh, I, I always like the sound better in vinyl because there was a noise to it that I that made it seem yeah, alive. Yeah, there's like a dust dust on it that yeah. like. I love that. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Well, um, so you were here at the Sketchfest. Yes. And you did um, show. I did. Uh, I did a one man show, and then I did a couples therapy uh, show, which was fun. And then I did, though Scott and I were the couple and we were very nervous. We didn't know what to do. Well, you guys have known each other for a long time. So like, you know, you could be like a couple. Well, yeah, no, we're, we're totally like a couple. That wasn't the problem. Just, we just, we're Canadians. We have to understand something 100%. We had never seen the show. So we cheated and we got Dave Foley to come out with us. So we were like a triple couple. Oh, so you were a thruple. We were a thruple. Very San Francisco, by the way. That's a very San Francisco style relationship, a thruple. I we think a thruple is a good thing. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and and it, it was fun to do, and it was uh, I think funny, but it was fun to do anyway. Yeah, I was in their throuple briefly. I had a I was a uh, married to a man <laughs> who's an idiot, but I um no I That's mean let me just tell the, I'll tell you the story about the man that was such an idiot because I rescue dogs you know, and um, so he and I uh, rescued all these dogs, and so I was out of town working, and he uh, was taking care of the dogs at home in L.A. and uh, there was a heat wave. And he was high and didn't give the dogs water for three days. And um, I was so upset, and I kicked him out, and he went to rehab. And uh, he called me from rehab, and he asked me um, to pack him a bag. 
and he asked for a belt. And I was really nervous because uh, Robin Williams hung himself with a belt. So I packed two belts. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> So, yeah, you know, he's still alive, so obviously can't do nothing right. But, um, <laughs> but when, when our marriage was good, uh, we had a thruple. We had a, we had a relationship with a woman, and uh, we, sh uh, we shared our sort of a home with her, although she had her own apartment. And uh, I still have all of her paintings that she, she made. She was an artist. When you said pack two belts, you did a very good Buster Keaton deadpan. Yeah, deadpan, but just to you. Thank you very much. I know you appreciate it. <laughs> I did, I did appreciate it. But a thruple, uh, a thruple is a good relationship to have. Th this won't mean anything to you Americans, no offense. Um, and it's not funny, but I keep talking because it's a sort of a talk show. And uh, there's a comedy troupe in Canada. They had a TV show in the 80s. They're like our Monty Python called Codco. And um, two of the members, they were in a, how do you say, triple, thruple? Thruple. Thruple. Uh, that's all I got. Uh, <laughs> it was the two of them and a, and a woman who wasn't a comedian. She was their agent or something. And they, uh, and they all slept in the same bed. And, they, um, and it's very famous in, in an underground kind of way in Canada. I like that. I think that right now everybody's kind of experimenting with this idea of like, let's open up our relationships. We're having this phase where like straight people are really getting their freak on. And they're doing this whole like ethical non-monogamy. I love it. I think it's so exciting. <laughs> Ethical. Yes. Yeah. Straight people better work. Uh. They, straight people better work. They're, they're, we are the new gay people. That's what I say. <laughs> straight people are the new gay people, honey. Yes, girl. Yeah. <laughs> I guess we are. Uh, <laughs> in 1991, uh, my girlfriend, uh, Tiffany Lacey was her name, mm -hmm. uh, which is like a, like a 30s movie star. Uh, she wanted to leave me because she wanted to see other people. Uh, so I desperately, as a loser, said, uh, um, we can have an open relationship! Uh -huh. uh, and so then she slept with other people, and I stayed at home and cried every night. Oh! True story. <laughs> True story. Well, Kevin, I want to thank you for making my first live podcast episode such a success thank you for lying it had nothing to do with me thank you it was a success best. though thank you very much and uh, you guys are the best thank, thank you very much thank everybody you. should i leave thank you good night thank you, thank you. Thank you. Never miss an episode of The Margaret Show. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. The Margaret Show is an Erios production with editing by Kat Hong and original music by Garrison Starr. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.